Take your business further with the smart and flexible American Express Business Gold Card. You can earn four times points on your top two eligible spending categories every month, like transit, U.S. restaurants, and gas stations. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Four times points on up to $150,000 in purchases per year. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash businessgoldcard. It can be hard to see the challenges that people we work with every day are going through. I'm Holly Robinson-Pete. Join us on The Visibility Gap, a new podcast presented by Cigna Healthcare. Download it wherever you get your podcasts. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor QNB. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. This is the business of sports. Should Major League Baseball shorten up the season? How do we present football to the audience of the future? I don't think that most players understand the power that they have. Michael Barr. The future of IndyCar racing is looking bright. Scott Soshnank. Very basic math here. More bidders means more money. Evan Novi williams The team value has essentially quadrupled. And the leaders in the sports industry. Time to bring in our guest, Hal Steinbrenner. National Hockey League Commissioner Gary Bettman. Atlanta Braves President Derek Schiller. Patriots President. Jonathan Kraft, Bloomberg Business of Sports from Bloomberg Radio. Hello, I'm Michael Barr. I'm Evan Novi Williams. And I'm Scott Soshnick. Over the next hour, we will explore the big money issues in the world of sports and talk to some of the biggest players in the industry. Today, a conversation with XFL Commissioner and CEO Oliver Luck on the upcoming launch of the league. We think it's the right time because we think there's a void, quite honestly, in the lives of a lot of people who love football, who are very passionate about the game. We'll have more from our conversation with XFL Commissioner Oliver Luck in a few minutes. But first, let's look at some of the top stories of the week. And let's start with Urban Meyer is still the coach at Ohio State. And he talked about his retirement. I'm honored to have represented my home state in this great university the past seven seasons. I want to thank Buckeye Nation, our students and faculty, our state high school coaches, Gene Smith for giving me this opportunity, my uh, awesome family, and most importantly, our staff and student athletes for all they've done during this time. And everyone in the world who's ever been so nice to me for the cuddly goodness that is the Ohio State University and the trombone guy or gal who always dotted the I. Who says goodbye to the professor that's been there 30 darn years, taught who knows how many Rhodes Scholars, whatever. Well, I'm great. You, he beat Michigan every time, right? Undefeated against Michigan. I guess that's what you need to do if you're at Ohio State. I don't My, care about this Aren't stuff. you the fly I know it, in the You know what? He made week. a lot of money for the university. It was a front porch. Let's not just gloss over. There were some problems that followed Urban Meyer around. Didn't mention those, did he? Did he mention the the suspension? Did he mention any of that? Not only did he not mention any of that, he when the Buckeyes were in contention to be the number four spot in the playoffs, yeah, we deserve. One of the reasons why he said they deserve it is because they've they've gone through an emotional adversity. Year. They overcame <laughs> things this year that you caused. So Urban Meyer retiring, <clears throat> I think uh, people within the the college football world not incredibly surprised. I think given. You know, the, the trouble that he had off the field earlier this year regarding a, an assistant coach of his and his uh, domestic violence and, and, and the, the role that Urban did or did not play in covering it up 
plus health issues that he's had. You know, he has not been been shy about the fact that he has a, a brain cyst. He had surgery a number of years ago. Uh, he has certainly looked like he's been on, in pain on the sideline. You know, the uh, it became time. He says he's not going to coach again. This is eerily similar to what we heard when he left Florida a number of years ago, and less than 18 months later, he popped up at a higher-paying job. I would not rule out Urban Meyer being on a sideline in 2020 or 2021 at a school like USC, for example. Yeah, I, we, we talk about the players and do they or don't they deserve money, that, that whole thing. We know, it, we know it's a billion-dollar industry. If part of whatever change that we see come to college sports is the elimination, the obstruction, the napalming, of this mythic, all-powerful coach, more powerful than university president, what I say goes, call me coach, don't ever second-guess what I've done. If part of this change is the elimination of that personality, this is not aimed at any one person, but that personality, then thank God, because I just can't stand it. Ryan Day, his replacement, by the way, four point five million dollars. Yeah, a year. four point five million already. Not bad for a guy who's yeah. only been a head coach for one or two. Well, games. USA Today came out. I know we're a little segue here, but USA Today came out with like how many strength coaches are now over a million dollars a year? A lot, a yeah, lot of a them. Lot. A lot of assistant coaches, strength coaches. Yeah, I mean, somebody's getting paid. The money has to go somewhere, and if it's not going to the labor force. I'll leave it at that. We know it goes elsewhere. Last game will be the Rose Bowl for Urban Meyer, which brings us to this topic. There are a lot of players skipping bowl games. Yeah, it's a, a trend that's becoming more and more popular. Some of the big names, uh, Ed Oliver at Houston, who's possibly a, you know, a top three or four pick in the NFL draft. Greedy Williams at, at, at LSU, hell of a name, by the way. Two years ago when this was McCaffrey and Leonard Fournette, you know, college fans were up in arms. How dare they abandon their team at the most important game of the year? Honest guys in the uh, room. That has changed significantly. I think fans and people within college sports on the administration athletic side now realize this is not worth it. The risk reward yeah. here, they're on the verge of million dollar contracts. I'm, I'm going Don't off memory here, Evan, so help me. Was it Willis McGahee who got hurt? Yeah, in the in the Fiesta. Yeah. Oh, okay, yeah. so I mean, that knee injury was just yeah. awful. And boy, if any player who looked at that and didn't say, "I've got to protect myself," I'm sorry. Yeah, these are business decisions. Absolutely. Yeah. Let's move on to the USA Gymnastics and bankruptcy. The key word, Chapter Eleven. What's up? Yeah, the the big latest in this in this whole saga. USA Gymnastics, the governing body for gymnastics, uh, this week declared bankruptcy, filed for Chapter Eleven. Um, there's a few different layers to this. One, they're being sued by a lot of different victims of Larry Nasser, somewhere between uh, over 300 people. Those are lawsuits that they may end up having to pay out 100 million dollars, if not more. That is not an amount of money that USA Gymnastics has. They lost all their sponsors, which was one of their big revenue drivers. Their membership is really the only way money's coming in right now. The assets they listed on their on their Chapter 11, $6.5 million, yeah, right? There, there There's lot, not enough money there. Money. Yeah. Uh, so that's part one. Part two, once you declare back Chapter 11, it's harder to kind of go through the, the traditional suing process. Discovery gets halted, et cetera. So this is also an attempt to get out from underneath a lot of these lawsuits. And the third part, which we talked about a few weeks ago, the USOC is trying to decertify USA Gymnastics, essentially make them lose their status as the national governing body for the sport. Uh, this is also an attempt in some ways to possibly stave off that decision. Now let's get to this week's interview with Oliver Luck. He is, of course, the new commissioner and CEO of the XFL. Luck is leaving his role at the NCAA to run the XFL, which is preparing to launch in 2020. Oliver, thank you very much for coming in. You're welcome, Scott. Happy to be here. Busy these days? Uh, yeah, we got a few things going on, but it's all it's all good. But there's a lot 
going on. I mean, you are building a league, a business from scratch. But earlier, earlier this week, some big announcements that the fans will really care about. We've got some venues. you got to play somewhere, right? <laughs> Absolutely right. So we did announce uh, our eight inaugural cities and, and the venues. We're going to be in Seattle, Los Angeles, in Houston and Dallas, St. Louis, Tampa, Washington, D.C., of course. And, and I wanted to bet whether you could do them all by memory. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's only eight. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, I would have struggled with four, so eight is good. <laughs> I always go sort of west to east. You know, For some reason, that makes it a little bit easier. But uh, yeah, that's obviously very, very important. It's one of the you know, sort of cornerstone things you have to do when you launch a league. But what's really cool is you know, every day I, I feel like I've got this lump of clay and I'm molding it just a little bit every day as we sort of progress and and build this league, both from a football perspective as well as you know from a business perspective. Obviously, sports is a, is a business. We have to you know keep a sharp eye on all of that as well. Is it really sad, pathetic, weird that I I got the movie Ghost going through my head right now? <laughs> yes, it is. You're very sad and pathetic and weird. But I, as Evan knows, weird things I, I, I'm, I'm, my head. Should I not have told all just of that? Just hear play and go right there. There we go. Take it away, Evan. <laughs> well, let's talk about some of these decisions. Uh, timing, first off. Uh, starts in 2020, you know, February. 8th, 8th and 9th, 8th which and is the weekend right after the Super Bowl in 2020. Timed. Yeah. yeah. Uh, tell us about why you know that that first weekend after the Super Bowl is the right time to launch this. Sure. So you know we we think it's the right time because we think there's a void, quite honestly, in the lives of a lot of people who love football, who are very passionate about the game. You know, based on all the research we've done, we think there are you know eighty some million football fans in this country, but about half of those are diehards. They're passionate, and they want more football, and they'll pay for more football in, in the sense of going to games, you know, watching on television. It has to be good quality football. It's got to be crisp, right? And to be very honest, back in 2001, XFL 1.0, the football wasn't all that good. And as a result, that league didn't make it. But the so nicknames were great. Nicknames were pretty cool. He hate me endured. Amazingly, Rod Smart. I know. Rod's, yeah. you know, Rod Smart was a good football player. He he played for the Panthers in one of the Super Bowls, yeah, yeah. right? Good, yeah. good, a very good player. And, but lesson? he's known for he hate me. Right. But is there a lesson in that that endured while the rest seemed to flop? Uh, there certainly is. I'm not sure what the lesson is, but no, there absolutely is a lesson in there. And that was that was one. And there were some other very creative things done. You know, this whole spider cam mm-hmm. thing that now, you know, floats around Under, all the, yeah. hovers around all the stadiums. That was a, an XFL, NBC sort of uh, innovation back in 2001. So there's some some cool things that were done. But the, the most critical piece, which is good crisp, I like the word crisp football, is very important, and we have to do that. And that that wasn't the case back in, in 01. So that's really all, all that we're doing, everything we're building is sort of leading up to playing good, entertaining, crisp football coming out of the shoot in 2020. So well, the product unmistakably is is football. How do you kind of toe the line between, I assume you don't want the product to be exactly like the NFL. How do you kind of find the innovations without kind of sacrificing the, the crispness of the game? Yeah, there's, there's a lot of nuance, right, in, yeah. in that. I mean, the NFL game's pretty darn good. I mean, last time I checked, you know, there were some pretty good TV ratings and lots of people buying tickets to go to games. So the, the, the product of, of the NFL is, is, I think, very good. There are, though, some things that people complain about. They complain about the length of the game. You know, sometimes it's three hours and 45 minutes. They complain about the stoppages and sort of the lack of rhythm and flow. So those are the areas where we've kind of honed in on and said, let's try to figure out how to make it better, quite honestly. So, um, you know, our our, uh, our rule book will be very similar to the NFL's. We'll probably have anywhere from six to eight to maybe ten differences. Uh, but when folks turn a game on and watch it, they'll see 11 on 11 football with running and tackling and kicking and blocking and fumbling and intercepting and all those things that we've come to know and love. They'll see those things and it won't be, you know, it won't be uh, that much different ultimately from what the product they see in the National Football League. There was something in the original uh, league that I loved. There was kind of like the helmet cam. 
Yeah. And I, ne- I had never seen that before from the perspective of the player. And here it is right on TV. Are we bringing that back also? So we're looking at all sorts of technological advances that, that we can sort of bake into our game. And that includes both audio which is, I think, something that's been underrated. I get asked as an old quarterback all the time, hey, what do people talk about in the huddle? Can we hear that as, as a fan? You know, what, are you making your dinner reservations? Or, Omaha, you know? Omaha became yeah, a thing. <laughs> yeah, it became a thing. And that was on the line of scrimmage, but in the huddle, right? Yeah. Or the communication between a head coach and the quarterback, right? You see him on the games, you know, and the guys put their hands over their ear, holds there to, you know, not to, not to be disturbed by the crowd. So that kind of access, right? And that's a key word for us, access of giving the fans what maybe they can't get in an NFL game or can't get in a major college football game. We think that's important. We are chatting with Oliver Luck, the CEO and the commissioner of the XFL, and I was told years ago, the story came out, but we didn't see it in the huddle. I think it was Tom Brady, like crucial moment in the Super Bowl, like final drive, and he's in the huddle, and he pointed to the big screen and said, hey, look, John Candy's here. <laughs> and that sort of got everybody yeah, yeah. calm. Calmed them down. And yeah. like, at that moment, the players in the huddle said, I knew we were going to win. Yeah. yeah. There, was, there was no pressure. It was just, hey, hey, look, John Candy. Well, you know, there, you, know you don't expect this, but there, there's a lot of humor in sport, right? But it, it, it never makes it to the fan because it's, you know, it's either on the sideline or it's between a coach and a quarterback during a conversation or coaching any other player or in the huddle or, you know, or between the offensive and defensive linemen before the snap. And so we're going to try to capture as much of that as we can without sort of uh, any way impugning the integrity of the Tiger game. Tiger and Phil showed that kind of works. People yeah, want to yeah, get closer. Exactly, exactly. Oh, I, I think, mean, I, wouldn't, I, think wouldn't, I just stepped on Evan. Wouldn't, wouldn't, <laughs> you, wouldn't you have loved to have heard the conversation between uh, uh, Thielen and Bill Belichick in the game this past <laughs> weekend? Right? You know, everybody's asking, well, what did Bill say? Well, <laughs> please, please, please. <laughs> but that's the kind of stuff that we think we can capture and and you know serve up to our fans and give them access. The access is a, is a very important word for us. Have there, a seven-second delay. Because... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Depends on who the broadcaster is. We'll get there. <laughs> are there properties out there that you look at from a sports media standpoint and you say, oh, these guys are doing, you know, these guys are doing it well? You know, I think I think there are a lot of leagues that are, are, are getting it right and are sort of trying to open up the access a little bit. I think what the NFL has done is is pretty darn good. I mean, it's the you know the, the king of the roost, right? It's it's doing remarkably well. Like what the NBA has done, you know, with some of those conversations on the bench, right? Those little 30-second timeouts. Those are fun. I'm going right? back 20 years, and I remember it was controversial when the NBA said, we're going to put a camera in the locker room at halftime. Yeah. And then the players' union went nuts, and yeah. that's an invasion, and we have to negotiate what if something... Now, of course, it's it's no no brainer. This just might be me, but I like that when they when they show these guys walking off the bus before the game into the locker room. It's I think a it's, fashion it's show. Be, yeah, no, it's be, that's kind of cool, right? It's really sort of interesting, and I think the guys like it, and, and that's important. It's right? an ability to monetize there too, by the way. Well, absolutely, that's, import, that's an important space and in inventory that has not been fully monetized. Yeah, I'll just wait. <laughs> it won't take long. Uh, that's how go. I get my fashion tips when I watch the people yeah, coming Cam in. Cam Newton the over here. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah my, Michael is rather. What are, he rather. Nobody got a white shirt on, almost white shirt today. Uh, Normally I'm, you're in I'm, the pastels, buddy. I'm, yeah, usually you'll see me in, in, you know, the pastel stuff, but I'm going like choir boy today. So we, we like to hear boy. it. Well, uh, how about not choir boy? See, we make some news here. How would Oliver Luck, commissioner of XFL, handle what we're seeing in the NFL right now with the Kansas City Chiefs running back? Yeah, uh, it's a bad situation. You know, I think at the end of the day, with domestic violence, right, in particular, uh, you've got to have a you know a zero tolerance policy. I'm not sure there's any. 
you know, way around that. So I, I you know, I, I don't know the specifics, quite honestly, of, of what was alleged and all that. But, you know, anything to do with domestic violence is toxic. And, and you know, in a sense, even though, you know, I think we're all sort of uh, people that like the idea of redemption and second chances, I'm not sure that there's much you can do with uh, with a second chance in terms of domestic violence. Regardless what happened before that, one, obviously, you, you don't touch another person. That's That's obvious. But more importantly... People like a Kareem Hunt have a lot to lose because you have to remember you're in the National Football League. You're representing the brand. So if you react, especially when you're on video reacting, you have a lot to lose. And I, I guess that's a lesson I hope that a lot of people. Well, I hope the other lesson for you know for football players is don't lie to your team. Right. Right. I mean, the cover up's always worse than the crime right? in, in all facets of life. So never lie to your team. I mean, you know, come, you got to come clean. Because that may be your only opportunity. Look at Ray Rice, your only opportunity to make it in the professional in the sports world. And that's that's important. You don't want to waste that. When you think about the Venn diagram of NFL fans and future XFL fans, how tightly overlapped are they? Are you going after NFL fans, or do you think there's kind of a pocket of football fans that aren't NFL fans that might become XFL fans? So I think we're really targeting you know those passionate fans, and I think a lot of those passionate fans are season ticket holders for NFL teams, right? And you know, so I I, I believe that you know a, a significant chunk of our fan base will come from folks who just want to watch more football. They like it. <laughs> it's what they do. I don't on know the what weekend. else to do on Sunday. Well, there's there's a little <laughs> bit of that, you know, and uh, so I I do think that uh, we'll have. You know, we'll have NFL season ticket holders, diehard fans that come support us. I also think, though, because we're trying to be very family affordable with our prices and going to an NFL game can get a little bit pricey, right? So I think we will have a group of folks who may not be able to take a family of four or six or five or whatever or a bunch of guys or, you know, girls going to a, a ball game. I think we'll be able to attract that crowd as well. And that's quite honestly good for the game, right? Because you want people to sort of enjoy the experience of being in stadium and, and you know, rooting live for a team and watching good football. Do you value the in-stadium experience over the at-home experience for those who were there, obviously the technological innovation surely drives the media component at home. Sure. Uh, however, where do you view technology in the stadium? I always point to the Duke student section during basketball games. I mean, that is a tech-friendly crowd right there. But for the two hours there in Cameron, they're watching the court. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think what, what I like to call, my wife likes to call, collective effervescence is what draws people to watch sporting events, collective right? Effervescence. Collective effervescence. Like yeah. It's like collective... everybody popped ginger ale all at once. <laughs> <laughs> no, but I mean, think about it, right? There's nothing quite like the roar, you know, of, of, of the crowd when you're watching a game. And, and of course, if you're not looking down at your phone. Well, that's right. That's right. So, you know, we've got to balance that, uh, obviously. But uh, the in-stadium experience, I think, is very, very important. And we'll, we'll, we'll do a number of tech things that are really only going to be available to in-stadium folks. And once, obviously, all this sort of online wagering, sports wagering, gambling gets going, I think you'll see some of that, you know, in these venues as well, which will be kind of interesting. But uh, we, we think the, the in-stadium experience is pretty good. Think of WWE and what a great job they do with their in-stadium, in-arena in experience with their events. If only there was events. a connection between the XFL and the WWE. <laughs> <laughs> Remember the Osbournes, that show? You know why it worked? For me, it worked because at some point, I think everybody wondered, man, imagine being Ozzy Osbourne's kid. 
I mean, and then they showed, they showed you what it, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, to be Ozzy yeah, Osbourne's yeah. kid. Yeah, What's yeah. it like to work for Vince? I mean, are you recording the whole making of the NFL? Is this going to be content for you guys later on? It will be. There'll be, uh, I'm sure, a documentary that uh, you know will sort of you know, document right the the, uh, the the strategies and all the executions that we're going through. So WWE does a remarkable job of telling stories, telling the narrative. They create the narrative, create characters, yeah. create narrative, and uh, that that's that's cool. That's a it's a little bit different in traditional league sports like the XFL or any of the other leagues, but uh, there. There's some there's some real capabilities that we're leaning on with WWE that are going to help us enormously. And Camille, just your your best anecdote of Vince the Boss. Oh, Vince the Boss. You know he uh, he beat me up pretty easily. So I'm, <laughs> you know what I mean. <laughs> like I'm an old football player, and I think I keep in decent shape, but I'd be no he's match that, for Vince. Got, what's that walk called? What's that? Remember oh, that, that, that there's that gif where McMahon has got that walk where his arms are flailing around. Yeah, I mean, yeah. He comes with a certain no, he's, amount of bravado. He's, he's, you know, he is quite the American entrepreneur. It's a great American su- success story. You think about even our league, right? The XFL, we're providing jobs for people. You know, players that wouldn't otherwise have a job in the football space or coaches or staff members, referees, God forbid, right? We're providing them additional work. That's sort of a good American entrepreneurial story, which I think sometimes gets overlooked. The countdown has begun. This May, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg, held in conjunction with our official partners, the Qatar Ministry of Commerce and Industry and Media City Qatar and premier sponsor q Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections and gain unique insights. Learn more at QatarEconomicForum.com. When you think about the health of the players that, that play football, obviously a topic you know a lot about. You played your son Andrew, starting quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. The original XFL, I think, went a little on, on the on the more uh, more physical side than, than the NFL. How do you see the, the new XFL kind of differing from how the NFL approaches player safety? In, I think it's sport? a different world today than it was 2001 in terms of health and safety. We know a hell of a lot more, right, about brain trauma and CTE and all those other, you know, things. So uh, we want to make sure that all the innovations that we do uh, don't have a negative effect on the health and safety, particularly on the brain health of our of our players. And I, I think that's something that everybody is doing, I think, with a with a pretty good level of good faith, right? I think the NFL has sort of embraced this topic and said, we got to figure this out. It's still going to be a, a contact-slash-collision game. We get that. But I think it's very important that uh, that you know we look at the health and safety of our players and make sure we're doing as much as we possibly can. That includes practice. That includes obviously games. Um, so I, you know, I, I I said to Vince when I when uh, he was recruiting me for the position, I said, you know, I don't think the American public will support a league that doesn't have serious protocols for health and safety. I think we're at that point now where you just can't uh, you know sort of close your eyes and, and wish it away. It's, it's it's real, and if we want the game to continue to be as popular as it is, and it's you know, at an all-time peak, I think, in popularity, we have to take it seriously. And that's been done, I think, by the NFL, you know, by, by major college ball and, and, and all the way you know, down to Division two and three. It's, it's, it's something that we take pretty seriously. We're talking with Oliver Luck, the CEO and commissioner of the XFL. And it, I have to ask, because your son, Andrew, uh, for people who don't know, Andrew Luck, he's the quarterback for the Indianapolis Colts. And bless his heart, he went through a tough time last year because he had – some injuries he had to go through. Did you talk to him about that? And can you share with us what it's like when you're a starting quarterback and you go through some tough times like that? Can you share with us how that was all about? 
It was a, a challenging time for him, and as you know, by extension for a whole, our whole family, right? His, his girlfriend, and we, he's got three siblings, and for my wife and me, you know, he's like all these quarterbacks, right? He's competitive, he's driven, and when you can't play, you're in an awful mood. Yeah. <laughs> and he was in a bad mood, right? Because he basically did rehab for you know for a year after the labrum you know, surgery. Um, you know, as he likes to say, he you know it's a chance to sort of really reflect in a very deep way about who you are and what you are. And he looked into the abyss because there was a point where, you know, he wasn't sure if he could ever throw the ball again without, you know, serious pain. So uh, I'm delighted. My wife and I were delighted that he's back and able to play and throw and, you know, and play pretty well. Uh, and, and we're really pleased because he's in a much better mood. <laughs> it wasn't much fun last year at Thanksgiving. This year he was great. You know, and that, that does matter, right? Because right. these are all people at the end of the day. Easy. We all, it's a cliche we say this, but they're all people at the easy, end of the day. Easy on Andrew. As someone who has uh, undergone the surgery on this reconstructive surgery on the labrum and the rotator cuff. Uh, Eben can attest there were days where I was just laying on the floor just wishing to like pull my arm three inches, and that was a success story. So Andrew could show up and work at sweatpants, though. I showed Not up. Not be yeah, ridiculed like I had, did. like, three months of sweatpants. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> it was great. Wow. That's awesome. I tried to, even when I was healthy, I tried to keep it. <laughs> <laughs> a few you, people you called me out. You milked it. I milked it. You a milked few people it. called me out on it. Tell me about the media component. And we're chatting with Oliver Luck, the CEO and commissioner of the XFL. Media is a big part of revenue for these leagues, and Absolutely. who you're talking to over the top is all the rage these days. Are, are you going to go linear, OTT? Where, where do we fall in the, uh, right. the paradigm of, of sports so, media? So we, we think we think uh, exposure is critically important at this point. And that's the linear. That, that's the linear, right? And we're, we're, we've got a big focus on linear, both broadcast and cable, right? You know, they're they're not dead yet. <laughs> they're still you know doing doing fairly well. So we've had some really positive discussions with broadcast. Quite honestly, that are broadcasting NFL games, right? Sure. And uh, so we're, we're probably a couple weeks away from making some pretty significant announcements. We think we'll have a quite honestly a, a, an awesome, and I hate to you know overuse that word, but an awesome uh, you know linear package. Uh, we're talking to some OTT folks as well. We may end up doing that ourselves. Quite honestly, we may do that in conjunction with one of our linear uh, broadcasters. WWE so has a good WWE's got an incredible platform. Oh yep. yeah, they've got an awesome platform, and they're building. I guess really. 2.0, not it won't be available for a couple of years now, but uh, there's a lot of expertise in broadcast, right? Generally speaking, and production, you know, on the WWE side of uh, of, of our business. So we're we're excited about that. I, I think that we'll have a package where people will say, "Wow, that's that's pretty darn good for a league that hasn't yet taken a snap." Off air, we were talking about research and development, yep, and how little of it is done in professional sports, whereas in the larger world, especially tech, it's a big percentage of revenue would go towards R and D and what's next and keeping ahead. What are you guys doing to be ahead in football? So we've sat down and tried to reimagine the game. All those things that people complain about. The game's pretty good, by and large. People love it. Look at the ratings, right? But there are things that people complain about, how long the game is, you know, the number of stoppages and the referees, three, four Particularly minutes. Particularly around scores. It was, it's like... Score, timeout, kickoff, yeah, timeout, yeah. commercial, commercial, commercial. Exactly. And that, that, I mean, if you go to a game live, you know, you don't realize because there's nothing else to look at. <laughs> right? You don't realize how much dead time my, there I is. I took my 12-year-old to a Patriots game, and that's what, it was actually injury, touchdown, kickoff, that, and he actually looked at me, a 12-year-old, and said, 
can we go home? This is boring. <laughs> that's, I mean, that's yeah. a no, huge that's, problem. That's, that's real, for right? It's real. Yeah, so that's right. one of the things we're trying to address. So we've got probably you know eight to ten to maybe even a dozen sort of ideas of doing things a little bit differently than the NFL uh, or major college ball. And what we want to do is test those out with guys in uniform. So uh, this week we're down in Mississippi working with a number of JUCOs. Uh, their, their season's over, uh, and you know they're for those who don't know the vernacular. That's junior college. Junior college, correct. Thank you very much. I love to say JUCO. Who it sounds good. Everybody loves JUCO. It should be a word, right? <laughs> I'll even say San Jack. <laughs> San Jack, San Jacinto. Great junior college. That's Blue right. Harvey, St. John's. Yeah, East, East Houston. Yeah, so it's a great base, a great baseball program, and a pretty good soccer program, by the way, as well. Don't play football at San Jack. I knew the best. And that's short for San Jacinto. San Jacinto, which was the uh, you know the the battle that determined the fate of the of Texas, actually the Republic of Texas, and then of course the state of Texas. All right, beyond that, now go back to singing Dulce and You were singing Don Quixote, and by the way, one might even say a bit quixotic. Trying to start this league. That again. is a good what? sort of segue. I like Thanks. that. Yeah, we were talking about the man of La Mancha and Don Quixote <laughs> and Sancho Panza. Sancho Panza, Michael Barr, you came yeah. up with your, your build was a little Sancho Panza. So, anyway, <laughs> long story <laughs> short. Look it up, brother. Long story short, we're trying to get uh, guys in uniform that are doing a lot of these things. We think we have a different kickoff, for example, that actually keeps the kickoff, the kickoff return in the game because it's sort of fading away. Nobody's, you know, rallying to save the kickoff. We think we have an idea. Uh, that could work. That's also better health and safety-wise. And we're actually going to test it. And that, that's important because that we don't want to do something that's sort of stupid and then look silly, right? We want to test it, make sure there's no unintended consequences. I won't tell you the details of it. You'll have to watch week one. But uh, th- th- that's how we want to sort of approach you know, this idea of reimagining the game. Are they doing the coin flip race like no. uh, like we saw <laughs> no. 18 years ago? That was, guys headed right at each other. That was no, called no, the, no. Scramble, and, the scramble. And uh, for the, you know, the sake of affordable workers' compensation rates, in our various states, where we're not going to do the scramble. It says one more injury you don't, you know, you don't want to pay for. I have to ask, I'm sorry, I have to ask real quick. To some fans in the NFL, and some teams aren't doing very well, like a certain Detroit Lions fan that I know. He gets Detroit into every now, show. When you're a $600 question on Jeopardy, we're the only NFL team in the North to never make the Super Bowl. Come on, man. It's like, what, what I'm getting at is I want to see the XFL now. Because I, you know, I want to see, you know, maybe if I can't get enough of football this way in the NFL, I can get enough football in the XFL. Well, I think we can sate your need. Is that, is that the right <laughs> way to say that? Yeah, yeah, that is. I like yeah. it. I like it. So um, we think it's fun. I mean, listen. By the foot- way, Michael Barr's insatiable. <laughs> <laughs> we, we think it can be a fun game, right? We think that the pool of talent, I think the pool of talent out there, right? And set aside, we're not going to have Aaron Rodgers or whomever playing in our league, but the pool of talent out there is broader and deeper than it's ever been. And that's a tribute to the colleges. You know, who are producing, you know, more better players, as I like to say, right? Because you got the conditioning, you got strength in, you know, performance coaches, you've got nutrition experts, you got all this stuff that didn't exist twenty years ago. The players are significantly better. Go watch an old even like a team like the Steelers back in the you know seventies and eighties. Right. You know, watch how much better today's current version of the Pittsburgh Steelers are than what you saw with Bradshaw and, and, and Swan. As good Ooh, as those guys were. Swan, not as good as those guys that. were. Where's Chuck going when you need him? <laughs> Let's talk talent, actually, real quick. You mentioned, I mean, we're not going to have Aaron Rodgers. We're not going to have Andrew Luck in the XFL immediately. But when you think about five, ten years down the line, is is the end goal to have a choice for top players between these two leagues? What does success kind of look like 
for you guys looking long-term future? So I think success is really building up this league and making it sustainable. We don't want to be a developmental league, right, mm-hmm. from the National Football League. Having said that, almost you know any league that's not called the NFL will be considered by a lot of fans as sort of developmental. Kid plays well in our league, and he'll have a chance to you know to accept an NFL opportunity. So I think success is really building up the brand of our league. I like to always ask this sort of rhetorical question: What if what if Rutgers and Princeton 149 years ago played their first little football game in like March? Would we have the fall for football, right? It's sort of a historical accident. People may really. not know that's first college football. Yeah, first college football game, 149, 149 years ago. Soon, to, you we know. keep impressing you on this show, don't yeah, we? You guys, are, you guys are, you guys are, you're hard to get. Um, so, you know, we think that you can play football in the fall and the spring too, right? And you can play it well, and you can play it in an entertaining fashion. What if the USFL? had sort of, you know, maintained some decision-making <laughs> discipline and stayed in the spring. That that would be probably a pretty valuable sports property today. Uh, so I think that's sort of what what uh, what Vince sees. That's sort of what I see, sort of what I think a lot of football fans see. Because the football, they like football. They like to watch it. And we're going to offer, I think, pretty good game. Oliver Luck, CEO and commissioner of the XFL. Thank you so much. I want to see this product because I, I always thought the XFL, the original product, was fun. And now... Rolling out the next version, I think it's going to be even better. Thank you so much for joining us. Pleasure to be here. Thanks, guys. Time for takeaways. Let's talk about Oliver Luck and, of course, his son, Andrew Luck. And it was interesting about the mindset about Andrew Luck when he went through his injuries. I get it why he was grumpy. He wants to play football. Well, my takeaway is always back to the innovation. They've got to give me something new. This can't be football like we're used to on Sundays. They've got to give me something new. While, by the way, his stressing the player's safety, I just don't know if the public is down for, say, football. I guess we're about to find out. I think it's interesting that the XFL seems to be going after NFL fans. We've seen other of these pop-up leagues try to go in places where the NFL isn't. Look at the XFL cities. New York, Dallas, Houston, L.A., St. Louis, Seattle, Tampa Bay. All of those are NFL cities. They're clearly trying to capitalize on NFL's popularity. That's like a little Huey Lewis thing there. Chicago, San Francisco to nothing? No? Yeah. Nobody? Okay. Okay. <laughs> a really talented love producer it. would have had love that song it. ready to go. Everywhere there's music, real live music. Yeah, I think that it's was pretty talented style. right there, man. Still that same old rock and roll rhythm. They say the harder. Nothing? Nothing, Evan? No. My goal is to be the number one pick. That's something I've been dreaming of since kids. It feels better to be number one than number five. I wear the number because of Mike. We have a chance to go for three in a row. Good numbers at a good time. When I first started wearing that number, I was just happy and proud. Bloomberg Business of Sports, the number of the week. Time now for the number of the week. I'm going to do this just like a game show. 34,798. Lower. (laughs) (laughs) A new car. See, I, you and I discussed, so I'm just going to leave it up to Edmund. He's a he's a one-man guessing. I have today. no idea. Is, is that a dollar figure? No. Isn't Barr a big teddy bear? Isn't Barr a big teddy bear? A big teddy bear. Given as good a clue as I can. Could have just slapped up the answer on Minor league you, hockey. The, the teddy bear toss. Remember that? Hershey Bears. They do it every year. It's a tradition. Holiday time. The fans, when the, when the Bears score their first oh, goal. How did I not get that? It's well, the come teddy bear on. It was a video. It was all over I don't even know what the number is. The go, amount of go. teddy bears? Yes, the number of teddy yeah. bears that the fans came and they. you have to go see the video. If you have not seen it, go Google Hershey Bears Teddy Bear Toss. This is like just an, an epic flood of teddy bears 
filling the ice. It's a pretty cool video and a great thing to do because they then distribute it to donated kids. to yeah. Yeah, okay. You've been listening to the Bloomberg Business of Sports. We are here each and every week at the same time, plus online as a podcast. You can catch that Mondays, Wednesdays, and Thursdays. I'm Michael Barr on Twitter at Big Bar Sports. I'm Evan Novi Williams at Novi underscore Williams. And I'm Scott Soshnick. You can follow me on Twitter at Soshnick. And thank you very much for joining us. Please tune in next week when we continue to speak with the biggest and brightest in the sports business industry. You're listening to Bloomberg Business of Sports and Bloomberg Radio around the world and online where our podcast is available. D.C., San in San Francisco or virtually on May 7th for the Future Investor, Data-Powered Transformations. This 2024 event series will examine how data is not only playing a pivotal role in investment decisions, but serves as a driving force behind the construction of innovative, investable enterprises. This series is proudly sponsored by Invesco QQQ. Register at BloombergLive.com slash Future Investor slash Radio.